You're listening to Purpose Inspired, a podcast series by myself, Wayne Visser. This season is based on my book, The Quest for Sustainable Business, an epic journey in search of corporate responsibility. The Principles of CSR 2.0 Initial responses to my framing of CSR 2.0 were largely positive and confirmed that I was onto something, perhaps a new language or conceptualization of responsibility, or at the very least a nexus for talking about the radical changes needed in sustainable business. However, I felt it needed an institutional vehicle if it was going to have any chance of success, and so CSR International was born, with the express mission to be an incubator for CSR 2.0. The think tank was launched on the 3rd of March 2010 in London, complete with the theatrical burial of the old CSR and its rebirth as CSR 2.0. It quickly became clear, however, that a metaphor can only take you so far. What was needed was a set of principles against which we could test sustainable business. These went through a few iterations, but I eventually settled on five, which form a kind of mnemonic for CSR 2.0. Creativity, C. Scalability, S. Responsiveness, R. Glocality, 2. And circularity, 0. These principles, which are explored in detail in my book, The Age of Responsibility, can be described briefly as follows. Creativity. The problem with our current obsession with sustainable business codes and standards, including the ISO 26000 standard for social responsibility, is that it encourages a tick-box approach to sustainable business. But our social and environmental problems are complex and intractable. They need creative solutions, like Freeplay's wind-up technology or Vodafone's M-Pesa money transfer scheme. Scalability. The sustainable business literature is liberally sprinkled with charming case studies of truly responsible and sustainable projects. The problem is that so few of them ever go to scale. We need more examples like Walmart's choice editing by adopting Marine Stewardship Council's sustainable fish, or Tata in India creating small eco-efficient cars, or Mohammed Yunus's Grameen microfinance model. Responsiveness. More cross-sector partnerships and stakeholder-driven approaches are needed at every level, as well as more uncomfortable transformative approaches which questions whether particular industries or business models are part of the solution or part of the problem. A good example of this is the Cambridge Corporate Leaders Group on Climate Change. Glocality. This means think global, act local. In a complex, interconnected, globalising world, companies and their critics will have to become far more sophisticated in combining international norms with local contexts, finding local solutions that are culturally appropriate without forsaking universal principles. We're moving from an either-or, one-size-fits-all world to a both-and, strength-in-diversity world. Finally, circularity. Our global economic and commercial system is based on a fundamentally flawed design, which acts as if there are no limits on resource consumption or waste disposal. 
Instead, we need a cradle-to-cradle approach, closing the loop on production and designing products and processes to be inherently good, rather than less bad, as Shaw Carpets illustrates in their business. Shifting from CSR 1.0 to CSR 2.0. These principles are the acid test for future sustainable business practices. If they are applied, what kinds of shifts will we see? In my view, the shifts will happen at two levels. At a meta level, there will be a change in sustainable businesses' ontological assumptions or ways of seeing the world. At a micro level, there will be a change in sustainable businesses' methodological practices or ways of being in the world. These meta-level changes can be described as follows. Paternalistic relationships between companies and the community based on philanthropy will give way to more equal partnerships. Defensive, minimalist responses to social and environmental issues will be replaced by proactive strategies and investment in growing responsibility markets such as clean technology. Reputation-conscious public relations approaches to sustainable business will no longer be credible and so companies will be judged on actual social, environmental and ethical performance. In other words, are things getting better on the ground in absolute cumulative terms? Although sustainable business specialists still have a role to play, each dimension of CSR 2.0 performance will be embedded and integrated into the core operations of companies. Standardized approaches will remain useful as guides to consensus, but sustainable business will find diversified expression and implementation at very local levels. CSR solutions, including responsible products and services, will go from niche nice-to-haves to mass-market must-haves. The whole concept of sustainable business will lose its Western conceptual and operational dominance, giving way to a more culturally diverse and internationally applied concept. How might these shifting principles manifest as sustainable business practices? Supporting these meta-level changes, the anticipated micro-level changes can be described as follows. Sustainable business will no longer manifest as luxury products and services as with the current green and fair trade options, but rather as affordable solutions for those who feel need for quality of life improvements. Investment in self-sustaining social enterprises will be favoured over checkbook charity. Sustainable business indexes with... Sustainable business indexes, which rank the same large companies over and over, often revealing contradictions between indexes, will make way for sustainable business rating systems, which turn social, environmental, ethical and economic performance into corporate scores, A+, B-, and so on, not dissimilar to credit ratings, and which analysts and others can usefully employ in their decision-making. Reliance on sustainable business departments will disappear or disperse as performance across responsibility and sustainability dimensions are increasingly built in to corporate performance appraisal and market incentive systems. 
self-selecting ethical consumers will become irrelevant as CSR 2.0 companies begin to choice edit. In other words, cease offering implicitly less ethical product ranges, thus allowing guilt-free shopping. Post-use liability for products will become obsolete as the service lease and take-back economy goes mainstream. Annual reporting on CSR will be replaced by online, real-time, sustainable business performance data flows. Feeding into these live communications will be Web 2.0 connected social networks that allow crowdsourcing instead of periodic meetings with cumbersome and biased stakeholder panels. And a typical 1.0 management system standard like ISO 14001 will be less credible than new performance standards, such as those emerging in climate change that set absolute limits and thresholds. The DNA model of CSR 2.0. Pulling it all together, I believe that CSR 2.0, or transformative CSR, I sometimes also call it systemic CSR, radical CSR, or holistic CSR, so use whichever you prefer. It represents a new model of sustainable business. In one sense, it is not so different from other models that we have seen before. We can recognize echoes of Archie Carroll's CSR pyramid, Ed Freeman's stakeholder theory, Donna Wood's corporate social performance, John Elkington's triple bottom line, Stuart Hart and C.K. Prahalad's bottom of the pyramid, Mark Kramer and Michael Porter's shared value, and the ESG approach of socially responsible investment, to mention but a few. But that is really the point. It integrates what we have learned to date. It presents a holistic model of sustainable business. The essence of the CSR 2.0 DNA model are the four DNA responsibility bases, which are like the four nitrogenous bases of biological DNA, sometimes abbreviated to the four letters GCTA, which was the inspiration for the 1997 science fiction film Gattaca. In the case of CSR 2.0, the DNA responsibility bases are value creation, good governance, social contribution, and environmental integrity. Each DNA base has a primary goal, and each goal has its indicators. The goals and key indicators are what begin to show the qualitative and quantitative differences between other models of sustainable business and the CSR 2.0 DNA model. Hence, if we look at value creation, it is clear we're talking about more than financial profitability. The goal is economic development, which means not only contributing to the enrichment of shareholders and executives, but improving the economic context in which a company operates, including investing in infrastructure, creating jobs, providing skills development, and so on. There can be any number of KPIs, but I want to highlight two that I believe are essential. First, beneficial products, and second, inclusive business. Do the company's products and services really improve our quality of life, or do they cause harm or add to the low-quality junk of what Charles Handy calls the Shindagu Society? And how are the economic benefits shared? Does wealth trickle up or down? Are employees, SMEs in the supply chain and poor communities genuinely empowered? 
Good governance is another area that is not new, but in my view has failed to be properly recognized or integrated in sustainable business circles. The goal of institutional effectiveness is as important as more lofty social and environmental ideals. After all, if the institution fails or is not transparent and fair, this undermines everything else that sustainable business is trying to accomplish. Trends in reporting, but also other forms of transparency like social media and brand or product-linked public databases of sustainable business performance will be increasingly important indicators of success alongside embedding ethical conduct in the culture of companies. Tools like Good Guide, KPMG's Integrity Thermometer, and Covalence's uh, Ethical Quote ranking will become more prevalent. Social contribution is an area that sustainable business is traditionally more used to addressing with the goal of stakeholder orientation. This gives philanthropy its rightful place in CSR as one tile in a larger mosaic, while also providing a spotlight for the importance of fair labour practices. It is simply unacceptable that there are more people in slavery today than there were before it was officially abolished in the 1800s, just as regular exposure of high-brand companies for their use of child labour are despicable. This area of stakeholder engagement, community participation and supply chain integrity remains one of the most vexing and critical elements of sustainable business. Finally, environmental integrity sets the bar way higher than minimizing damage and rather aims at maintaining and improving ecosystem sustainability. The KPIs give some sense of the ambition required here, 100% renewable energy and zero waste. We cannot continue the same practices that have, according to WWF's Living Planet Index, caused us to lose two-thirds of the biodiversity on the planet since 1970. Nor can we continue to gamble with the prospect of dangerous and perhaps catastrophic and irreversible climate change. A final point to make is that CSR 2.0 also proposes a new interpretation for the terms sustainability and responsibility. Like two intertwined strands of DNA, sustainability and responsibility can be thought of as different yet complementary elements of CSR. Hence, sustainability can be conceived as the destination, the challenges, vision, strategy and goal, in other words, what we are aiming for, while responsibility is more about the journey, our solutions, responses, management and actions. In other words, how we get there.